Um, normally, preachers love to start off sharing stories about themselves that relate to the, the message that they want to preach. And um, I thought I'd do something different. And last week, I went around and filmed a bunch of people um, to ask them about their stories. Now, I ran out of time to edit it together because I got so many stories, but I just want to share some of those stories with you. So I, I was talking to people and I said, tell me a time that you got lost. I'm talking up the creek without a paddle, like you just don't know what you're doing. That's the title of my message, by the way, or a politically correct title would be when you're all out of options. But you can call it whatever you want. You want to, If you want to call it in a bind, you can write that. If you want to call it in between a rock and a hard place, you can do that, whatever it is. Um, and Sam was telling me, Sam Lucas was telling me that he once got lost on a trail. Now, People have been, four or five people told me that they got lost in shopping centers. Now that's fine because there's other humans around and you can ask for water. (laughs) Sam got lost on a trail and he said that he like was originally with his family but ended up getting lost and the way that he got out of it was that he didn't know what to do so he just sat down and just was like, I'm just going to wait for somebody else to rescue me. And I was like, okay, that's good stuff, yes. Young Mose didn't have a I got lost story, but he was like, I probably shouldn't say this, but one time I was like so zoned out with what I was doing and I realized that I was driving on the other side of the road. (laughs) Sorry, bro, I just threw it out there. Josh uh, Krushka told me that he was walking around in a shopping um, center with his auntie and his strategy to not get lost was I'm going to stay as close to my auntie as possible and then he realized after about 20 minutes that the person he was following was not his auntie <laughs> boy oh boy Max told me that he got lost in a Sydney market now the Toowoomba markets are one thing you there's like you know 40 pavilions maybe but the Sydney markets I don't know and The story here seems to be the same as that someone else found them. Someone else found you, Max. Someone else found you, Sam. Via told me that she got lost in a sorghum field. Anybody here who is vertically challenged, that that has got to be your worst nightmare. The only way that you can look is up, and it's just blue. (laughs) So, luckily, somebody found her, and (laughs) she's not still there. (laughs) She's here. David told me that in grade eight, he got lost in school because he didn't know which um, classroom to go to. Josh Staines told me that he found DFO, which is where he wanted to go shopping. But then while he was looking for a park, he got lost and he didn't know where DFO was. And it took him two hours to walk from his park to DFO. Geordie told me that he lost his car at Grand Central and he went through all the levels twice looking for his car. And every time he went back inside, he was like, actually, I'm just, just, I need it. I just forgot something at Cotton On. Oh, I just, you know, because he just felt like everyone was watching him. But the thing that kept coming up was the emotion throughout get the feeling of getting lost. And, you know, there was emotions such as the people, the words people used were words like terrified, exhausted, confused, alone, And, you know, we've all had situations where we look around in our life for options. We find ourselves in a place where we look around for options, we can't find them, and then fear rushes in. And I probably don't even need to share examples because you know them and you've been through them. Maybe you've just lost a job 
and you're, you don't have an, an, any source of other income and just all of those feelings just suddenly rush in and there's that immediacy where you realize you're lost and, and suddenly your whole mood and your whole mindset changes. Maybe you failed an exam or an assignment and the marks were worth more than 50% of your grade and so you know that that subject is going to be failed and you just added to your hex debt for no old reason and that happened, that happened to me in a class that I took that didn't even count towards my subject. And I was like, why did you even let me take this subject? Why did you even let me select this? Anyway, maybe you had a friend that moved away, someone that you used to lean on, or maybe worse, maybe they even passed away. And you have a feeling of being lost, not knowing who to talk to. Or maybe even you went through a global pandemic that shook up everything you thought was set in stone in life. But whatever it is, you might feel like you're in a situation where you've got absolutely no options, commonly referred to in Australian slang as up the creek without a paddle. And I want to look at in the book of Acts, there's a story of Peter where he is seemingly without paddles. Um, And I want to look at how he got out of this situation. And again, you might be sitting here going, you know what, I'm not currently in that. Life's pretty good right now. Well, I just want to encourage you that... um, You know, when we do CPR courses, we do them so that we're prepared in the future. Because when a hard situation comes up, when you need to give someone CPR, you don't just say, wait there, let me book myself in for a CPR course. In a week's time, I'll come back, we'll do the CPR, it's all good. Like, you don't have that option. You need to know the drill. That's why you do it every year. And so maybe this message is not speaking to you today, but I really want to encourage you to let it settle in because you might never know when you're going to need it or when someone's going to come and ask you about a situation that they're in and you need it in that conversation that you have right there and then. So let's look at Acts chapter 12 verses 6 to 11 and it says that Peter was about to be placed on trial and so in this trial he was potentially about to be um, sentenced to, to death, to be killed or punished in some other terrible way. So he was about to be placed on trial and he was asleep in the prison. He was between two guards and he was chained up between these two soldiers. And not only were there those two soldiers there, but there were actually some other soldiers that were out at the prison gate. So guards on guards on guards. And while he was sleeping there, there was suddenly this like bright light. And then there was the angel of the Lord was the source of the bright light. And the Bible says that he stood before Peter, stood like smack bang, right obvious in front of Peter's face. Um, And then the angel of the Lord told him, like struck him. I don't know if you've ever seen that gif where the woman just like slaps the dude awake and he's like startled to be awake. And then she's just like, oh, oh, what happened? Did you have a bad dream? It's like, I reckon it was kind of like that. There was just like, the angel's like, this is my chance. I never really get to back to slap a human, but God's told me this is time sensitive. Here we go. So slaps Peter. Peter wakes right up and you can tell Peter's drowsy. He doesn't know what's going on. He must have been in the middle of some kind of dream. Um, And the angel's like, quick, get up. And the chains fall off Peter's wrists. And then the angel's like, now get get dressed, put your sandals on. And so Peter does that and he says, now get up and follow me. And then they start to run out of the cell and Peter's just following the angel the whole time. And As I said, he's a little bit drowsy and the whole time he didn't realize, he just thinks it's a vision. He thinks the dream is continuing on. He didn't realize that like this was actually happening. Um, And so they move past those first two guards and they move on to the second and guard post and they get to the gate, the iron gate that was um, at the border, that the one that like leads to the city, the one that's like ultimate freedom. And when they got there, 
they just walk through and then the gate just opens up by itself. And I'm like, like, if that's me, I'd be like, hello, like this angel, can you stay with me, please? Can you be my BFF forever? But anyway, they pass through. Peter's out of prison. He's walking down the street. Suddenly the angel leaves, a little bit sad, but the angel had his moment um, and then takes off. And then Peter finally came to his senses and he realizes, okay, like that, that actually happened. Um, that this is real. And he recognizes that it was actually God. God sent this angel to me and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. So Peter was in the middle of a really hard situation, two hard situations, actually two bounces. He had chains on, there were gates everywhere. He was in a prison, but he managed to find his way out. And it almost seems like there's nothing in there that I could preach about that's like things that Peter did that helped him get out of prison because it was basically all God. And if there's any message that I feel like God's been speaking to me this year, um, it, it has just been that it is not by my strength, but it is by God's strength that we find the freedom that we need in our lives. It's not by anything that we do, but it is things that God does. But I still see if two key points in here that I wanted to bring tonight. And the first one is that we can calm our anxiety by finding hope in the known. Now, it doesn't say there at all that Peter was anxious. Um, But then I actually found that kind of confusing because this is the day before his trial. And I don't know about you, but whenever I, it's like the day before a test, uh, like your driving test or your P's test that you've just paid for, or whether it's the day before an actual test at school, or maybe it's like the day before you proposed to your wife. That was a, that was a pretty, I was pretty anxious that night, like just thinking about what was going to be happening the next day. Thankfully, Hannah said yes. And even though I knew deep down, still, I was still like a little bit anxious. But you've, you know that feeling, right? Like, and I'm like, hang on, how does Peter not have this feeling that he's going to go on trial the next day, but he's just sleeping soundly. And he wasn't light sleeping either because the devil, uh, the, not the devil, the angel, the angel had to slap this boy to get him awake. There's other stories where, you know, God speaks to people and they go, ah, and they respond. But this guy had to get a slap. And I was like, how is he sleeping so deeply? And you know, when I actually looked through the book of Acts, I found out that this has actually happened for Peter before. Peter didn't seem to have anxiety here because his hope was in something that he knew to be true. And very explicitly in this situation, it was that God had done it before. We're talking Acts 12 here, but if we rewind to Acts chapter 5 verse 18, see how familiar this sounds. The apostles were arrested and put in the public jail, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he said to them, go to the temple and give this message of life. Um, So at daybreak, the apostles had entered the temple free from the jail and they immediately began teaching. And then at the end of this verse, it says, they sent the high priest had sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for the trial. So they were set free out of a prison by an angel of the Lord who walked them out of there and it was the day before their trial. That sounds exactly like the story that we see in Acts chapter 12. Peter did not have any anxiety because he's like, I've seen God do this before. I can sleep soundly knowing that God's going to get me out of this again. We can calm our anxiety by finding hope in what we know. Peter had had that exact situation before. And maybe for you, you're in a situation that you've never seen before. I've been, I go through situations all the time that I've 
been through before in the past, but I know I can get through them and I don't lose any sleep over them. But the ones that are brand new, I need to look to others. And, you know, Peter here, it's, it, he was able to look to the story of the other apostles and also the story of himself to give him the hope that he needed to get through this situation. And I strongly believe that's why it's so important that we are part of and contributing to and being part of the community of the local church. Not just watching messages and disappearing or being there for the sermons and disappearing because you need to hear the stories of the people around you of how God has been faithful to us, how God has brought us through the situations that we've been through before because when you get to a situation where you don't know how to get through, that's going to be an unknown to you. And what do unknown situations do? They bring anxiety. And how do you overcome that? Well, actually, you know what, I'm going through this thing right now, but uh, I talked to Tom at church and he went without a job for two years. So I can, I can get through. I know that God's going to pull me through this. You know, I, I, I just got this diagnosis from a doctor, but you know, I, I, I talked to this guy at church and, um, and, and he was facing a similar diagnosis and God healed him man, that just gives me hope for my situation. That's why being part of the community of the church is so, so, so important because it's not just, it's not just the preaching. It's not just the songs that put hope into our life. It's actually each other. And that's why your story is so important for other people to hear. Has God done something in your life? Don't be shy about it because somebody else might need to know that exact story. Somebody else might be up late at night not, and maybe they're not sharing or it might not be obvious that they would be going through a situation similar to you. But you need to be able to share that story, be part of the community where you share that because it might just bring hope to someone else. And it might even be secondhand. For me, I started to believe in healing, not because I saw healing in my own body, but because other people told me, oh, you know, this other guy at church, he got, he got healed. There was a story of a guy who came into our church. Um, it was either in a wheelchair or crutches. I can't remember. I think it was a wheelchair. And he walked out holding his wheelchair up. God healed him that night at church. And I was just like, like th- that happened at our church. And I, and I wasn't there for that sermon, for that s- service. But boy, that put hope in my heart because I actually know the bloke and he's running marathons. I'm like, how are you doing that if you were in a wheelchair? We had a guy come and preach at one of our youth events who he was stuck in a wheelchair and he had to get teachers to write his answers for him in his schoolwork and he was and he was coming to our youth event and he was standing on the platform and he was walking around and he had full use of all his, his arms and his legs and, and that condition was no longer part of his life and he had the photos to show that God had healed him. Sometimes it doesn't even need to be your story but if you just hear the stories of those around you then when someone says oh, I don't know if God's a healer you're like actually I've talked to five different people at my church and God has healed all of them and I to be honest, there's just too much evidence for the positive. We can find, we, we can find our anxiety calmed by finding um, our hope in the known. And sometimes it's not just our known, but it's the known of other people in our church. And if you can see it in someone else's life, guess what? I know God to be a consistent God. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's done it for someone else, he could do it for you. I love that verse, uh, that song that we sing here at church called Same God. If God did it for those characters in the Bible, if God has done it for them, then he can do it for me. That's why we were given this book, the Bible. I'm saying this book and I'm like tapping my digital uh, access. Um, You don't have to have a Bible. You just, just get into the 
into the Word like a physical Bible. Just get into it through an app, however you can, because there are stories in there of people who have been through things that you have been through or you might go through or things that are even worse than what you've been through. I see the stories in there of people who who died and were raised back to life. And I just think about um, Chow from The Hangover that's like, but did you die? And I think about my situation and I'm like, oh man, this feels really bad. And I just like hear him in my ear because in the movie he dies, um, but then he gets, he like comes back to life and someone's like, I've had a bad day. And he's like, yeah, but did you die? And the guy's like, well, I did get shot. And he's like, but did you die? (laughs) And I just think about that, like all these things that the Bible characters went through. I'm like, oh man, like money's looking a little bit tight this week. And then I can just hear Lazarus saying to me, but did you die? (laughs) Because God brought, Jesus brought me back to life. I can hear Moses saying to me, yeah, but were you a slave? That, and God, because God freed me from being a slave for four, and my people from being um, enslaved for 400 years. So I guess my application question for this point is, what do you look to in times of trouble? Too often we look to the now, we look to what we're going through, we look to the limitations of our circumstance. But I just want to encourage you, keep your eyes off of that. Look, um, look, look, expand your vision. I was going to say, look left, look right. On the road. Anyway, um, yeah, look around you at the people that are still here in churches who have a faith in God because of what God has done in their lives. Look to them, ask people their stories. Please don't feel so vulnerable about the struggle that you're going through that you're not going to um, ask somebody else about what you're going through right now. I remember at youth, when I was a youth pastor, for a couple of years, um, I just felt so weird talking about anything to do with sex or sexual things or porn or lust or anything like that. Never talked about it at all. And it was just because I just felt awkward doing it. And then I remember when I started to talk about it and preach about it, people started to come up to me and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with this right now. How can I get out of this? And I was like, wow, because I neglected to share this for three or four years, I wonder how many people missed out on hearing a message of hope about it. So not only should do I want to encourage you to just be um, vulnerable and ask other people around you who know have done well, but be be willing as well to share your stories that you're vulnerable about. Because I was vulnerable that I had struggled with um, porn and struggled with drinking and that sort of stuff. But I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to be vulnerable, share this with other people, show people what God has done in my life. And I'm just so thankful for how God has used that to help others. Second point, last point, focus on following, not on escaping. Peter did not think about escaping. He was just focused on following. I think about the Karate Kid scene, which is like a movie from the 70s now. So I'm wondering like how many people have seen it. Can I see your hand? If you have seen The Karate Kid. Okay, so quite a few of us, yep. But for those who haven't seen it, Essentially, there's this guy called Daniel. He wants to learn karate. He goes to this karate master to learn. And the karate master's like, yeah, I'll teach you karate. Paint my fence. And he's like, okay, 
shore. He paints his fence. It's this really big fence. And then he goes, Mr. Miyagi goes fishing while he's painting. And when he comes back from fishing, Daniel's like, what the heck were you doing? You're supposed to be teaching me karate. Like, this is just, this is just stupid. I'm supposed to be learning all the moves here. And you're out here just fishing. And then Mr. Miyagi's like, show me how you paint the fence. And he like shows him the strokes that he makes. And then as he's showing him the strokes, Mr. Miyagi starts to attack him. And he suddenly realizes the strokes of painting that he had used were the strokes that he needed to defend against the attacks that he was getting. And, you know, I think in the same way, sorry, I don't have the move, Jesse. I'm just, just doing my best up here. Um, what I noticed about Peter was that he was just simply following the angel. 12 verse 8, Acts 12 verse 8 says, the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. Very next verse. And he did. Now that's some good obedience right there. And he did. There was no, why should I do that? If I put on my, my coat and sandals, will that help me in my trial tomorrow? Will that make me look less innocent? Because that's what I want. I want to get, I want to be told that I'm free. You know, he didn't ask any questions like that. He just chose to follow. And he didn't realize where it was going until he got to the end. And he was like, oh my gosh, God has, God has delivered me here. God has set me free from this. I've noticed that, you know, our generation, we're much less likely to just simply obey and, and take things on. Um, you know, we have the internet. And so we can question what people tell us within a few taps and a few scrolls. And I think that that is actually a very healthy inquisitiveness and curiosity, you know, where we want to make sure that we know the truth. Um, But I want to encourage you that when it comes to God, oftentimes we don't actually understand the benefits of obedience until after we've obeyed. And our nature of questioning everything can sometimes cause us to miss what God has for our lives because the angel's going to come slapping us and saying, put on your coat and sandals, and you're going, What's that, what good's that going to do? Where's the case study, the peer-reviewed case study that shows putting on my coat and putting on my shoes is going to get me out of a jail? I don't think so. We have that kind of nature, but it's so dangerous when we bring that to God. Oswald Chambers says... Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. You know, I know God to be a good God. I know him to be a faithful God. I love God. And that's what makes it so, uh, so much easier for me to obey. Just because I don't know where this faith is leading doesn't stop me from obeying God because I know that he loves me. I know that he has the best interest in me. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Craig Rochelle says, Christians often perceive obedience to God as some kind of test to just there to see if we're really committed to God. But what if it's designed as God's way of giving us what's best for us? You know, if you just look at parenthood in general, kids often put up a fight against things that parents know are the best for the kid. And that's why obedience is so important, at a, especially at a young age, because the parent knows what's best. And sometimes we struggle and we resist against God, like, why can't I have ice cream for dinner? You know, I know, I know the best way to live. You don't know me. I can stay up till midnight and I'll be okay at school tomorrow. I don't need to eat my dinner and I promise I won't get hungry before 9 p.m. Guess what? The parent knows better. And sometimes we treat God that way, simply because we don't understand. But God's ways always lead to life. God's ways always lead, um, I have found in my life, to the best outcomes, especially when we don't understand them. For Peter, 
following the angel was how he'd get out. And he didn't have to evaluate the result of what it was going to be. He just obeyed. I think about my life group. About five weeks ago, we set a challenge between each other that we wanted to journal every single weekday. And um, journaling is just where we set aside time to ask God to speak to us about our lives through the Bible. And sometimes it can feel a bit like, you know, I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading some good stuff, but I don't know, I don't know if God's like speaking a super powerful word to me right now. But I had a situation that happened to me two weeks ago where somebody really close to me made a decision that really hurt themselves and it really hurt other people around them. And they've made this decision before and they've made this mistake before. And I just felt like doing the angel thing and slapping him in the face and just being like, do you realize how dumb this thing is that you're doing? Do you realize that you're hurting this person? Do you realize that you've hurt me by doing this? But because I had committed to the daily habit of journaling, I had a number of journals that week, one of which spoke to me really powerfully, which was that people don't need... um, People don't need another accusing voice in their life. The devil is accuser enough. We need to be voices of love to others. And so I was really just committed that I was going to be a voice of love to this person in my life. And when I spoke to them um, next, you know, I was just trying to be as loving as I could. And they actually ended up opening up to me and they don't normally open up to me that much. And they said, you know, everybody else has been saying, you're just this, you're just that. It's like, I'm I'm just so thankful that you're like, just actually being positive in this situation and I was like wow like that situation uh, uh, the right the right thing for me to do would have been to say you know you've done this you deserve this come on pick up your game to say all of these things that we think are right but when I trusted God that no this is this is going to be the right way I'm just going to obey this even though I don't want to even though it would feel way better if I just gave you a mouthful and told you everything that I thought this actually this daily habit of journaling and just choosing to obey God, choosing to try and obey God every single day, led to a better outcome in a family situation that I had had. So I just really want to encourage us, when we're in the middle of a rock and a hard place, too often we just think about escaping. But your focus shouldn't be on escaping. Your focus should simply just be on following God, following Him in the simplest of ways. Because, you know, God's ways often don't make sense in the moment, but they do make sense when we get to the other side. Forgiveness doesn't make sense when the hurt is irreversible. Tithing doesn't make sense when interest rates are on the rise and costs of living keeps rising. Showing love doesn't make sense when someone has continually shown you hate with no remorse. Generosity, showing generosity towards other people doesn't make sense when they can never give you anything in return. Being vulnerable with a struggle that you have doesn't make sense. Uh, oh, I didn't even finish that sentence. But it doesn't make sense. But when we find the love that comes on the other side of that, that's when it begins to make sense. Showing up at church when all you want to do is lie in bed and think about your problems doesn't make sense. But then when you find the, the, the hope and the peace that God puts in your heart, that's when it starts to make sense. Praying for help or just praying at all when you feel like you haven't prayed in a long time, it doesn't make sense because it kind of feels like, well, I haven't been near God, but actually that's the best time for us to jump in and start praying. Praying for health and healing, even after you've received a diagnosis from a medical professional, doesn't make sense. But when we choose to do it, that's when we see the door open to 
potential for God to do something in our lives. Obedience doesn't make sense sometimes, but the call is not to understand it. God doesn't call us to understand His ways. He calls us to follow them. So when you're in the middle of a, uh, of a big situation, your primary responsibility is just to go, how can I follow? How can I follow God today? Maybe it is just doing those same old boring strokes that you're used to, showing up to church, putting on worship songs, journaling, reading your Bible, whatever it is. Choosing to follow is going to be the thing that gets you out, not any single big stroke of genius that you might be hoping God puts in front of you. Can we all stand tonight? And um, I just want to think about, um, you know, that last thought for you. Do you have conditions on when you choose to follow God? Do you only follow God when you can see where it's going? Do you only trust God in your situation when you can see how he might get you out of there, when he might get you out? When you're up late at night and that anxiety is just running wild, do you just let it continue to run wild or do you know where to turn? Do you know who to talk to? Do you feel comfortable in approaching others and asking them about their story, asking them about what God has done in their lives? Are you ready to be vulnerable with that? I just want to pray for all of us tonight. And so if you could just close your eyes, that'd be great. And if you're struggling in any one of those areas, maybe you're struggling to be vulnerable with others. Maybe you just, you feel like people are going to judge you if you open up about your struggles. Maybe it's less of an internal struggle and it's actually something that you're going through right now that's pretty big and pretty obvious, like loss of a job, loss of a loved one, something like that. And you've got no idea how you're going to get through. And you just want to know what those steps are of obedience. I want to pray that God would speak to you this evening. So would you just put your hand up tonight if you feel like God is speaking to you. Just put your hand up right now and you just need to follow Him in, in, in some situation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, 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 great, great. And if you feel like you need, thank you, you can put your hands down. If you feel like you just need to be vulnerable, if that's your situation, you just feel like, actually, you know what, I need to open up about this. If that's you, just put your hand up right now and pray for you as well. Yep, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, yep. We're going to pray for everybody who's responding to you right now in some way, who's saying in their head, I need to do this differently. I need to respond to crisis in a new way. That is hard for us to do, God. We are kind of set in our ways as humans. We do like to travel the same old path. So I hope that, I pray that you'll give us the courage that we need to take on that new path this week, to be vulnerable. God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Help us to hear your voice when we're so used to just listening to our own voice or going to Google for advice. Help us to tune into your voice and hear it. And most of all, God, help us to obey. It's so difficult when we don't know where it's going to go. That obedience is really, really hard. But again, help us to have that courage. Help us to have that trust. Speak a word to us that lets us know that you love us, that we can trust you. Put it in our hearts, God, so that we know that's the best option, so that we're not worried, but we actually start to get peace about the situations that we're in. 
pray that you really help us with that tonight. Everyone who put their hands up and everyone who's watching online, who's maybe putting their hand up internally or listening through a podcast and just wants your help. Really help us, God. And I just pray for us as a church collective that we'd be more open, willing to share our stories in a way that helps others. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, God. You've done so many good things. Help us to not forget it. Help us to share it with others. In your name, amen. And um, would you just keep, close your eyes again. I just want to pray one more time. And this time I just want to pray very specifically for anyone who might say that you've been a bit patchy following God, or maybe you've never followed God at all. As I said earlier, it doesn't even make sense if you've lived a life that's away from God. It kind of doesn't make sense that God would do something in your life. But the way that God works is that He's so loving and He's so gracious. He works with us exactly as we are, exactly where we've been, even if we've never committed to Him before, even if we've never shown Him um, any kind of signs that we want to follow Him before. God is still a God of love and and a God that welcomes us. And um, if you just want to choose tonight, to walk with God and start to do things His way and that you, you just want to obey Him and live His way. I just want to pray for you as well. So just put your hand up right now if that's you. And again, online, if that's you, do something that consciously recognizes that's what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. If you're just wanting to make that a consistent thing in your life, a consistent habit, choosing to follow Him. Anyone else here? Great. Well, God, I pray for these people that have just put their hands up and those who are saying it internally as well. Pray that you'll just really be with them this week, that they would see you in the littlest of things, that when they wake up, they would think about you in their comings and goings of day-to-day life. They would feel your presence, that they would know that you're there with them, that they would feel your love, even though it doesn't make sense that you would love us considering everything that we've ever done in our lives. But show that love to us, God, and I pray that you would help us to find the ways to follow you this week. In Jesus' name. Well, I really just know, I have a real confidence that as we choose to follow God this week, even in the, like the tiny things of just choosing to journal, uh, that God is going to be moving things that we don't see, things that we don't know in the background. And then just like Peter, he didn't realize until he got out everything that God had done. And you just watch six months from now, Christmas time, next year, whatever it is, there'll be a, there'll be a moment that comes where you look back and you just go, oh, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but I know that was God. I know that was the consistency of following Him, putting my anxiety aside and finding the hope that comes with Jesus Christ. Um, I really believe that for every one of us here. So thank you. Hope you have an awesome night. Pastor Levi is going to come and share a few extra next steps with you.